I need you to talk into the mic, but you're, you've left me. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and making stuff in your house. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. But first, we're going to take a turn for the inspirational and talk about making things. Matt, I understand that sometimes you do this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you said inspirational, I thought this could go, you know, like Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> he made things in his house. Like, you I, know what they never talk about? There is there some sketch comedy thing where Jesus is a bad carpenter? I think that there is. There's some there's definitely like lots of I think there's like a Woody Allen joke about like him making cabinets. There must be because yeah. there's he, we never talk about that. Nobody ever says he was such a good carpenter and then he stopped doing that. <laughs> you know, it's never like wow, what he had a to turn away from that and find a new vocation. What a great loss to the carpentry world. It's, it's sort of like the opposite of what if Hitler had been good at painting? It's like, if Jesus had been good at carpentry, we might never have had the New Testament. We'd all be Jews. (laughs) But, like, imagine that he, like, figured out a lot of cool carpentry tricks. My favorite thing from, like, Renaissance art is whenever they paint things from the Bible, but the woodworking, like, the, the... coffee tables in these pictures of like mary magdalene have very delicately fluted feet and and stuff like they were made on a very fancy lathe it's a christ original yeah and it's like this is a world in which jesus was just into carpentry a good like like dan brown book would be someone finds like one of jesus's earliest chairs and it's signed jc on the bottom and it looks like it's like a it's like a frank lloyd wright like (laughs) ultra modernist just like aggressive thing and it's just like the world wasn't ready (laughs) oh jesus invented modernism i don't know enough about theology to confirm or deny i don't know enough about modernism to confirm or deny but I do know about making things because yes. we're making something right now. We are, and we're doing it in a home. Yes. And what's crazy to me, uh, and this is something that we were just talking about and then we decided to talk about on the podcast because the podcast is a place where we go to talk about stuff. That uh, we can't say to each other face-to-face always. Yes. We actually record this facing away from one another, which is a weird choice on our it's, part, but it makes easier it easier. Somehow. Yeah. Emotionally much easier. Much more comfortable. Um, but... I, it took me a long time to realize that everybody you know who is famous and makes things makes things the exact same way that you do when you're not famous and terrible at making things, which is to say they sit in their house and they spend time just kind of figuring something out and then they go, that's pretty cool. And eventually it gets shown to somebody else. Uh, and there's something very comforting about that. That's very true. I just thinking, I think it was just either today or yesterday, uh, Ava DuVernay, the you know, director most recently of A Wrinkle in Time, which was maybe not her best film. Did you but see it? I didn't see it. No. I didn't either. I don't really have much of a desire to because I don't want to feel shitty. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ava DuVernay, though, who I follow on Instagram, had just posted a picture of her computer at like a table. And I think the tagline was just like, time to get back to writing. <laughs> and I was like, this is exactly what everyone does. Yes. Like it is really just... 
literally sitting down and maybe you have a computer maybe not like yeah you have a, you have a computer or you have an instrument and you yeah. just kind of go i wonder if i can make something cool on this today and then yeah. you find out yes or no and sometimes if you are good at it it's very good and something that other people will enjoy but the nice thing about making things is that worst case it can be something that you enjoy and there's no shame in that this is true I we love, have love making things. Yes, we like making things. Yeah. So get making. Get out there. I, I also want to say that I hate the term maker, which is I feel like a very internet sort of thing. Like I'm a maker. Oh, I've never like is that like an if if you're not an influencer? It's a thing that you would say about yourself if you had an Etsy store. Oh, wouldn't you just say artisan? No, you'd be a maker because like you don't exist within the like known boundaries of art, man. You just make for everyone and yourself. Do you think that Jesus being a craftsman was sort of like a metaphor for God as the creator, as the like Judeo-Christian creator of the universe, being a craftsman himself? Probably. And that's why, as the son of God, he was expected to go into his father's trade. Of just making <laughs> tables. But that's how he started. God was like, first you got to start with the tables. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it took me a while. Eventually, I... we'll get to the sea in the air. But... <laughs> All of the animals come later, <laughs> but first off, we got to figure out how to work this bandsaw. <laughs> Jesus's first animal was just like that's where we get like that's where we get the like, platypus. The platypus, yeah. yeah. It's just Australia. <laughs> like, whoops. That was. <laughs> and then Australia was like a penal colony for the animals. Also, <laughs> it was just like you can't interact with the other animals. You are poisonous and dangerous. <laughs> we have to put you over here. Uh, this took a turn. For the, the creationist and the creationist, <laughs> but uh, inspirationist. Oh, I want to be an inspirationist on Instagram. I think that we should probably just change bo all of our profiles to say like, "What do you do?" and it just says inspirationist. <laughs> um, and then the people who study us could be inspirationologists. <laughs> yes, the great body of work <laughs> surrounding our efforts. We could create new academic fields. We already have. Fair enough. Should we move on to video games? I think we should talk about the news. All right, let's get into the news. I am the news editor this week. So for our news hour, I am going to read out some news items for Bob, and Bob will react. That's I'm usually excited. how this works. Yes. All right, the first piece of news is that PUBG, that's PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, okay. has a new tropical Mac map. <laughs> a new tropical Mac. Yeah, so it's like a Big Mac with pineapple on it. <laughs> exactly. Very exciting. It's a yeah, it's like a raincoat with a bunch of birds of paradise. <laughs> uh there's a new tropical map in PUBG. It's called Savage. Really? Which seems really poorly chosen that in is so, so many so ways. So insanely terrible. I don't know what to but do. But I with like that. to think of it more as being like someone just like observing uh something and being like savage. Yeah, savage play. Yeah. So I assume that that was really what they were thinking Definitely. of. Definitely. Um but uh, how do you feel about the idea of a new PUBG map? Is this the one that's smaller? It is smaller. It is supposedly smaller, uh, like half the size of the prior that's two, quite a bit which smaller. are roughly the, yeah. So apparently the opening game is incredibly intense. Yeah, I can imagine. I really enjoy playing PUBG uh, as an attacker, by which I mean I drop in and then immediately wonder who I can kill as opposed to hiding, uh, which generally means that I lose PUBG matches, but it can be fun. 
but so you, it's I a risk reward. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the fun part of any PUBG match is like the risk reward of do I engage or do I pull back? And yeah. I prefer to pull back. So this map would probably not be for me as to much. To your liking. My favorite moments in PUBG are usually when I'm like walking along the shore and listening to the waves. Yeah. You just want it to be a thing where you drop in and everybody's super chill. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to make a life here on this island. Uh yeah, I get that. I, I think that it's good for them to expand the game just because it seems like Fortnite's kind of kicking their ass in the public yeah. sphere. I so mean, they got to do we're something. We're going to get to man. Fortnite in, in literally a few minutes. Hit me. Uh, well, just, not, just not jump to yet. it. No. Oh, I want it. Okay, fine. Uh, here's a headline verbatim from the Washington Post, and then I want to describe to you the banner image that accompanied it. Very good. The headline is, Save Your Relationship. <laughs> is the video game Fortnite stealing your loved one? Under this is a picture of a preteen boy playing Fortnite, <laughs> which is the dynamic between the two gave me pause to such yes. a degree. But it is literally, this is really about girlfriends who are going uh, to change.org and petitioning against... Specifically girlfriends? Specifically girlfriends. That's really weird. It is is, is very... And, and also apparently people who have crushes on boys that they would like to be their boyfriend this is the, the most retrograde thing i've ever heard Fortnite. in my life but these these young girls are going to change.org oh, to petition initially it was a petition against their boyfriends <laughs> and now has become the uh, the biggest petition is just called get rid of Fortnite, which means that they just want to actually end Fortnite. they just want outright. Fortnite to stop existing yeah the post article actually goes on because it is written by a woman although obviously not a teenage woman um we assume but goes on to for her to talk about like her own dealing with her boyfriend being a lover of Fortnite, and so her route through this was to try and actually just not play Fortnite but watch a bunch of streams so she watched some ninja streams um that's a whole nother are we going to talk about I, how... i'm not i'm not equipped to other than to say really no here's what we say fuck ninja fuck ninja fuck ninja blevins <laughs> fuck pewdiepie god damn it people oh. how hard is it that brings me back, the fuck PewDiePie. I swear to God, if you... All this has done is reveal to me that I thought society was moving forward, but this in tandem with Donald Trump getting elected, it's just like, oh, wait, I just self-select for people that aren't assholes. And it turns out most people suck. The most famous people on the internet suck. God, why? where did we go wrong? It's, it's worth I mean, saying. I can. I can. Ninja Blevins yeah. said the N word on a stream, as all streamers are apparently constitutionally mandated to do. I guess because they all seem to do it because they're all closet racists. I don't know. They're just I mean, insensitive assholes who have no idea what's going on, and I hate them. Every every week, there's a new Overwatch team because now Overwatch is you know a professional sport. A yes. new Overwatch team loses one of its members or is places them, you know, off that they're taken their place on the bench indefinitely or for several weeks because Worth they noting, say something you play racist. Overwatch from the bench though. Uh, <laughs> you you are seated while you Unless. do it. It's I'm not speaking a, metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> speaking okay. purely metaphorically. It'd be weird if they actually sat on benches when they played as opposed to in executive desk yeah. desk chairs as yeah. as has Sold and propagated by Drake. Yes, in his home Drake, office. Drake's home office. Um, in any case, like, yeah, it's every every week. There's a new story about this, and they're always like, they always have to like donate money to the Anti Defamation League. So, in a lot of ways, this racism is really benefiting the Anti Defamation League. Well, and yet at the same time, it feels as though the Anti Defamation League's efforts have accomplished nothing. nothing. Which is, I just don't understand this. Well, I think it's indicative of 
of the culture, 100%. If you look at like the majority of people who are playing video games, first of all, they're very young. A lot of them are perhaps not going to liberal arts schools where you and I were taught all of the all that's, everything I, i'm being it, sarcastic man. no but i think it is it's partially that they're young i think that like but when i was young i did not say the n-word I, I i'm not saying that you did no i know that but yeah. i'm saying that like this is no excuse like you can be an no idiot. i'm not excusing them okay. i'm explaining why i think it's the case yeah okay and i think that like you agree that it's just it is the nature of the culture it's a toxic culture yeah and i just don't understand though why this is how it manifests like you can just be an asshole and not trade in racist or there's no there's no reason for them to incur there's nothing encouraging them to self-reflect because before everything was being streamed and put under the appro- the microscope that should be there because we should be examining these people and critiquing them but previously they were encouraged to do this kind of thing because that's the kind of thing that got them views it's crazy and it's, and it's a it's a it's a toxic culture that just perpetuates itself yeah and so I think that, that that's why coverage like this is at the very the kind of incredible coverage that we're doing <laughs> here at Zero Stars. But the serious Fuck coverage is is like, key. Don't watch these people. Yeah. Also take away take away their streaming rights. Like no, they can stream. They can stream and then we can identify all the people who continue to watch them and go, you know who I don't want to interact with? Any of those people. We just circle them and say, No. I mean, yeah, this is actually a very interesting topic that could get very complex and like you know, recently, for me, it's pretty Kotaku, black and white. A Kotaku writer, Patricia Hernandez, has talked about continuing to watch. Um, and I know you saw Pew, this as well, PewDiePie. PewDiePie. And I mean, it kind of recalls. It's. It reminds me of a piece that a friend of mine pointed out to me. Roxanne Gay wrote in the New York Times, writing about Roseanne, mm-hmm. and the headline was something along the lines of like, "Roseanne is a very funny show." The new reboot, or. or you know, whatever you call it. Whatever you call it. Of continuation. Roseanne. She said, Roseanne is a very funny show. I will not continue to watch. Yeah. And her, what she basically said was as she initially had made a, a point during, you know, this is uh, years ago when she had written Bad Feminist that, you know, as a feminist, you, we often or you will often or as a progressive person in general, you will often engage with media that is not in line. Definitely. With your issues. And but she now feels as though in the current administration, you know, given the current political climate and the current you know, administration in the White House, that she doesn't feel comfortable giving Roseanne Barr money. Weird that Roseanne Barr has come up in a totally different context, but still related to Fortnite. Yes. Roseanne Barr <laughs> just orbits the Fortnite world. Yeah. She's been, she's been a real mainstay on the podcast these past few weeks. It's strange. But anyway, I do think that it's an interesting conversation. Um, and I would not be willing to outright say, fuck the people who continue to watch PewDiePie. But it's maybe they should be a little bit more just give yourself a moment to think about what you're doing Mm -hmm. like no one i just don't think pewdiepie is a funny enough person to make anybody give him a second chance i don't think he's a funny enough person to watch for hours and hours these streams are so long it's so much time out of your day you could be at home making things you could go make things yeah and you know what those things might not be deeply offensive to entire groups of people how about you go make something good instead of watching something that pewdiepie made because he is bad anyway what the washington post is considering leagues of girlfriends they are not going to shut down Fortnite. don't worry no one's coming around to take away your Fortnite. (laughs) um 
It's all good. Uh, there was a lot of uses of the words corrupted and brainwashed in a lot of these like tweets and posts and like notes on change.org, though. As though Fortnite has just like overtaken these people's brains like a it virus. Is, yeah. And like it is sort of strange. I will admit that like to a degree, I am also surprised at the degree to which Fortnite has subsumed culture, culture and people and like like. Even in, you know, taking off, not considering the fact that, like, there are parts of that game that, when we played it last, at least, did not feel great. Yeah. I just also can't believe that any game would become this addictive. I think from the perspective of the viewer, Fortnite, like, from a streaming phenomenon, it makes sense to me because, like PUBG, you can explain the rules to somebody in a sentence. Yeah. And True. so that makes sense, right? But it's, actually it's like easier to understand it. than football. It has that NASCAR appeal of like, there's a bunch of people, one of them's going to win. And then you just watch it and eventually one of them wins. So that's good. That makes sense from a spectator angle. And then I think from the other angle, it looks cartoony. They've been updating it constantly. They're really engaged. They're trying to make it better. They're trying to improve the ways that it can be streamed. They actively court the streaming Populace. Yeah, they're, uh, this is Epic Games. Yes. Yeah, they're uh, very good at it. They're responsive. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that sort of loop combined with the fact that it can get viewers because all you need to know is one person's going to win. It It's built for it. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe some homework that you and I should take on is to download Fortnite on our phones and play one round. We should definitely do that. We should do that and then we'll compare notes next episode. Good idea. Um, and we'll see if either of us have lost, if our loved ones yes. have completely Let's given up on us. Let's see if I'm still engaged <laughs> next episode. Um, all right. I want to jump back a bit to, insofar as the, the headlines that I've written down, um, the New York appeals court tossed out Lindsay Lohan's case against Rockstar. Lindsay Lohan sued Rockstar Games because she thought that the character in GTA 5, a character in GTA 5, resembled her very much and was based on her, which it definitely was. Oh, 100%. Because yes. Because Rockstar Games makes games that satirize America because they're British and they don't understand us. Uh, so that's what they do. They also maybe don't understand satire very well. That's also true, and that's also what they do. <laughs> which is funny because you'd think that the Brits would get that. I don't but, know. Yeah, maybe not. Did you ever see that Daniel Radcliffe movie where he plays like the head of Rock- Rockstar? No. This was a movie that... Swiss Army Man? Yeah. <laughs> a very imaginative sort of magic realism take on... Yeah. Oh, this this is an... I'm not equipped to talk about it. I just know that apparently it was like a BBC-funded film that was like loose... That was like pretty heavily inspired did by Rockstar like some Did Rockstar sue about, and lose? I think that they did, yes. Great. So everything... The, the tail... The snake eats its tail. Yes. Um, but in any case, she... It was thrown out. Um, she wasn't the only one. It was actually a joint case. It was her and some mafia informant's daughter who <laughs> was also said that like one of the characters was based on her and Great. apparently in a satirical and not flattering light. That makes total sense. Uh, of course, this got thrown out. Turns out you're able to just make up people that are caricature- caricatures of celebrity. Uh, and Lindsay Lohan is a caricature of celebrity. So, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Final Fantasy 15 has story DLC planned out through summer 2019. Oh, my God. The base game came out in November 2016. They are still telling the same tale. That is crazy. You played that game 
Are you going to revisit it? I have not touched it since I beat it. So that's a no. base game. Strong no. Strong no. Strong no. I am curious to see whether they can stretch it even further, though. This I mean, is just the, you're not going to see, though. You're not curious enough oh, to I'm, see. I'm going to. I'm curious enough to read headlines about whether they stretch this further. Very good. Spyro the Dragon Reignited is coming out soon. I can't <laughs> remember when. I didn't write it down. This oh. is a this is an HD remake of the first three Spyro the Dragon games. Sure. I don't think those games were very good are when you, they came out. Are you you're not feeling lit for this? Do you feel like they're dragging it on too far? Uh, I don't have anything to go off of that, but right. I think the future is looking smoggy <laughs> for Spyro. I've never thought Spyro was any good because remember, gang, Spyro came out in a time when Mario 64 was also out. Which one do you think mattered more to history? Blinks the time cap. You're right, man. It's all about Voodoo Vince up in here. Hey, Spy Party is finally coming out. I saw that. Spy yeah. Party is a game that has been in early access or no, it's beta. Not, it's or... actually, I'm sorry, it's coming out in early access next oh, week. no. It's not even in early access yet. This game has been around for like a decade. Yeah, it's been around for a very long time. This is a game in which uh, it's an asymmetrical two-player game in which one person plays on one computer and they are a guest at a party with a bunch of... Uh, computer, computer NPCs, and the other person is a sniper on the rooftop across from the party who has one bullet. And the sniper is trying to figure out who the player-controlled character is at the party through the windows across the street. And your job as the spy at the party is to complete a certain number of tasks without letting on that you are... Not a robot. Not a robot, yeah. It this is, is a apparently, great idea for a game. It's an incredible idea. It was an incredible idea... 10 years ago still is still is it apparently came about just during a game jam which Worth is noting, where a lot of good ideas kind of come from there is a mode in certain assassin's creed games that is basically this yes i've heard that although i've heard that it is not nearly as streamlined or as clean or good no and the psychological tricks that one plays are no, not it's, as, yeah. it's not it's not as good as this but it sounds i'm curious i'm excited to play it eventually maybe we'll see yeah, call I me maybe Spy time. Party. Firewatch is coming out on the Switch. You should play Firewatch. It's a great game. Firewatch is a really great game. Um, it's also on PS4, Xbox One, and it's... The Mac. On the Mac, yeah, and, and PC. PC. <laughs> and but this thing called the no, PC. I, I think that's an upstart, and I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, it's on your tropical Mac. Mac. I actually I can't even say the right word when I mean to. Um, in any case, Firewatch is also coming to Switch. It's probably cheaper everywhere else. It's often like five bucks on on the PS4 during yeah. sales. If you see that game for five bucks, get it. Great game. Really great game. Really, really, really strong good game. game. Um, Far Cry 5, which we're going to talk about later, has had the biggest launch in the series history. Interesting. Go Far Cry 5. From a capitalist perspective. Not knowing whether or not that game is good, because I haven't played it. You have. Uh, that's good, I guess. Though, I, I think the Far Cry games are cool. My favorite Far Cry game is still the original Far Cry, which has nothing in common with the later Far Cry games. I have never heard anyone make that argument ever before. We should definitely... I kind of want to hear that <laughs> argument. Maybe not quite yet. I really like the first Far Cry. Yeah. I think it's very cool. I, I, played, honestly, I played some of it with you That was a I, bad port. Yeah, it was, was a, a bad very port. bad port. Bad port. Bad port. 
but I, I always really thought that game was cool, and I thought that people did not give it the, pra- the praise it deserved. So uh, I'm glad for Far Cry 5, but I also wish somebody would kind of revisit Far Cry 1, though I guess that they did that in Crisis. So Yeah, I was going to say, and Crisis is a very fun game. Yeah, cool game. like Crisis a lot. Anyway, that's actually it for the news. But Uh, but, did you see that uh, Lawbreakers is not getting supported? How many people do you think played Lawbreakers last week? Eighteen. Nine. Nine. The stat off of Steam is nine people. Lawbreakers is how many of them were Cliffy B? I assume one. (laughs) Lawbreakers is a multiplayer shooter from Cliffy Belizinski, the creator of Unreal, Jazz Jackrabbit. Uh, Gears of War famous and very talented guy went off started his own studio called Boss Key pretty good name for a studio yeah decent name uh, they made a game called Lawbreakers and nobody played it and now it is no longer going to be supported so I wish Cliffy B all the best and I hope that this doesn't mean he can't make things but what that if, is dire or maybe that 9 was like Cliffy B hosted a LAN party <laughs> it sounds kind of like it yeah oh. um no, I yeah, I'd seen that, and that that is sort of a letdown. I hope he, I hope he, shrinks and does something smaller. I think that in his mind, this was a small project. It is a small project comparatively, but I hope that like he does something that will not cause him to lose more money. Yeah, because he might just lose more money. Yeah, I think he's going. to. I mean, I'm still curious to know what happened after Bioshock Infinite. Like Ken Levine, the creator of the Bioshock games, and you know, former Looking Glass studio guy who worked on. All the the old sh- System Shock games. He after Infinite, which was man, what was that? Was that twenty thirteen? Ooh, probably. Was that five years ago? Yeah. And after they broke up, they broke up the entire team there at Irrational, and he went off and started working on a small project, and he hasn't spoken about it since. I'd imagine it's very difficult for Kent Levine to get funding, because my understanding is that the development of Infinite was insane and a nightmare and extremely expensive and i don't know that that game yeah. recouped anything i don't think it did and and then i think that worse he lost a lot of goodwill by firing right and then which is not a natural part of the industry and a problem with the industry at large he just seemed like an asshole honestly yeah. at the end of it and he seemed like well, somebody, he's, an, he's an auteur y- yes yeah well he seemed like somebody who thinks he's an auteur i mean i think that he legitimately is but to a fault Probably. I would not say that like auteur is an inherently like good thing to be. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Anyways, uh, have you been playing any video games? I have. But before we do that, did we want to do reader so, mail? Yeah, I'm going to read us some reader mail because we got some reader mail about Monster Hunter. I've had a very busy two weeks and I haven't gotten to play uh, nearly anything. So I haven't gotten to play Monster Hunter since we last talked, which sucks because I really like Monster Hunter. Um, but... A friend of the show wrote in, uh, so this is a letter from Autumn, and uh, she had a bit of advice for people like Matt, who find the animal animations when they're hurt in Monster Hunter very disturbing. Uh, And so she says, hey guys, a while ago I was thinking of what it would be like to start my own farm. You know how some politician and or Fox News host once said that lesbians are taking over the South with their farming? That sounds fun to me. I haven't heard this story, <laughs> but I really want it to be true. It sounds like an awesome Never Never Land. That is exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, this is so cool. Um, I wish that was the case, uh, but I don't know if that is the case or not. We'll trust Autumn on this. Uh, and as she says, that sounds fun, and we 100% <laughs> agree. She routinely daydreams about it. 
I'd have a nice craftsman-style place in the mountains with a creek running through my property, lots of leafy vegetables, a nursery, a cow, cats, and many dogs. But then she realized that the pets would have to mostly be indoors because the mountains are full of predators that would like to hunt them. I started thinking about how I'd protect my precious animals and decided I'd have a gun to scare off any wolves or mountain lions. Then I thought, what if the unthinkable happens and a wild animal kills one of my pets? I realized I'd probably fly into a blind rage and shoot the animal dead. Then I thought, that might solve Matt and Bob's guilt issue with Monster Hunter. If I may make a request, please play Monster Hunter like every creature you hunt killed my beloved dog and report back and let me know if it works. Thanks. This is a great idea. Uh, And I think Monster Hunter occasionally tries to do this. Yeah, with your cat. No. With your palico. No, they never do that. Yeah, no, sometimes animals will attack my palico. Oh, yeah, that's I have bad. gone into a rage. I go, like, full-on... I mean, basically, Autumn is advocating for where the red fern grows, the yes. video game. Just just immediate yeah. and just, like, there is nothing that will stop me. Gut-wrenching, like, yes. pain at watching an animal. Yeah. Um, and that's happened with the cats, with my cat before, where an animal will get angry and attack my cat, and I take that animal down. Yeah, there's no choice. Yeah, but what were you... You were going to say that in other ways? It... I think that the game storyline wise occasionally will be like oh this thing is attacking somebody or something like that it tries to put people in peril but i don't care about those people whereas we care deeply about our fans uh (laughs) and so autumn i will definitely when i finally have the chance to play monster hunter again avenge your hypothetical animals yeah i mean it is it's one way of looking at it is that and I mean, it's hunting to a degree. Is there bear season anywhere? Do people ever kill bears in order to? In try Russia, and... you are able to hunt bears. I don't know if that's a seasonal thing or mm. if it's just you have nothing to do because you're in Russia. Maybe, maybe they have like gun season for bears, gun season, then also bow season, and then knuckle season. I would love to see somebody try to punch down a bear. Knuckles the echidna of sonic the hedgehog fame gets to hunt bears gets to hunt bears it's only him though yeah that's a great that's a great game but that comes after shadow the hedgehog hunting season where Ugh. he gets to go after the bears with his guns dual pistols i think he actually only has one i i did some oh. research after our last <laughs> conversation about shadow the hedgehog yeah i was gonna say two would be a little bit much overkill <laughs> uh no i think that autumn brings up a good point and it actually dovetails really cleanly into a a game that i have been playing recently hit us Far Cry 5. Okay. So um, Far Cry 5 is a game from Ubisoft. It's part of the Far Cry series. And it is the fifth game. The fifth game, but actually probably more like the eighth or ninth yeah, game actually, if you count the spinoffs. Well, there's like Primal and Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon. And there's probably something else in there. Angry Birds. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> um <laughs> It's it's so the the Far Cry games are essentially built around the conceit that you are you are thrown into a cruel and uncaring wilderness in which a bunch of bad people have erected forts that you have to gradually claim both from those people and from the cruel and uncaring forgive, for unforgiving world. Like it would actually be a decent Werner Herzog film adaptation if they got like everything together. That does sound good. Um, actually, there was a Far Cry film. I forgot about that. Was it an Uwe Boll joint? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we yeah, should, it makes sense. We should not watch that sometime. I never want to. Um, Far Cry games are very good at creating kind of like dynamic storytelling. Yeah. So I, I guess a, an average loop in one of these games is you're wandering the wilderness, you see a camp, 
you're like driving an ATV up to this camp. You jump off your ATV. You scope out the whole camp with a sniper rifle. You decide that you're going to go in silently with a bow. You start picking people off, and you are the silent killer that eventually annihilates everyone inside of a base. Or alternatively, you're driving the ATV. You stop the ATV, rig it with a bomb, then put the ATV on auto drive so it idles into the camp. All of the guys are like, why is there a weird car coming in on its own? It explodes. Madness ensues. Someone sets off an alarm. A helicopter comes in. You are taking down the helicopter while also lobbing like Molotov cocktails and walking around like bashing people with a hoe. This is this is Far Cry. It is. These it are is, both valid options. These are totally valid options, and it is always it is like this. Something can go wrong, and it probably will go wrong. There's a there's a something can go right, but something can also go right. I know that you hate when I do this, but to reference another video game podcast, Idle Thumbs, they summed up Far Cry Two, which some people believe is the pinnacle of the series which idle thumbs believes is the pinnacle of the and series. a lot of other people too yeah um they they summed up the far cry series by basically saying the the phrase the grenade rolls down the hill which is to say that you throw a grenade it does not necessarily mean that the grenade is going to do exactly what you think it's going to do it's possible that the grenade lands on a hill and rolls right down between your legs and that is the kind of game that far cry is is that it is you were kind of like at the mercy as much as you it is a power fantasy and you are a man or this time you can be a woman with like an arsenal of weapons the entire sandbox of the world is also always trying to make things kind of go a little awry it's a surprise machine it is a surprise machine yes exactly and that's a it's a surprise simulator <laughs> it's a it is always i and i hate how much I like these games because they are, well, not jingoistic in the way that like the uh, Call of Duty games are. They're extraordinarily violent and tactless and uh, attempt to be satirical in a way that kind of makes Grand Theft Auto look really effectively brilliant. They make Grand Theft Auto look like the highest form of art. Truly, by comparison. But the basic loops of engagement I find incredibly satisfying and easy to just fall into and like they they just it takes forever for them to get old at least for me it is just consistently engaging and fun Um, so there's another one of those yeah we we always needed another another one of these it's been a little while since metal gear solid survive was giving me that that loop i needed that dopamine hit yes To, to relate this back to autumn's letter um you can recruit friends in this game that will fight on your side there's like a a lady sniper there's a guy with a plane (laughs) it's weird it seems familiar yeah yeah it's humming all the time and it's really irritating man that humming was really well done though in that game i did not like it i like the humming i don't like much else about quiet okay um i thought the humming was really cool okay uh they should have just called that game metal gear solid 5 the humming (laughs) quiet hums a lot some people hate it some people like it (laughs) The subtitles. Um, in any case, Colon you can... Revengeance. <laughs> the best Metal Gear game. Probably. Yeah. Well, no. Five is actually an incredible yeah, game. Yeah, five is a great game. Yeah. I actually Revengeance really like four. Second. I like three a lot. Three is very good. I don't like four. Hmm. Eh. Well, agree eh. to disagree then. Squee. Um, there's a dog that you can recruit. You save him early on and he oh. becomes your friend. His name is Boomer. And... 
enemies will attack your dog. They can't kill him, but they can knock him out, and you can revive him with a belly rub. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's which pretty is good. Both, which is like both charming and also so pandering that there's a part of me that's just like, fuck you guys. As you do it. As I do smile. it and love it. Yeah. yeah, You can pet any dog in the game. Oh, that's at good. What po- at one point, you rescue um, an entire, like... I was going to call them a flock of dogs, but like a pack of dogs that has been locked inside a house for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really, and there's one of them that just kind of like sits by one of its dead, dead friends and just sits there like and the won't Ewok engage. The others are like friend. running around. Yeah. Mm. It's very sad. That is. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of like nice little, very sad mordant touches in this game. But in any case, you get Boomer. Boomer is your friend. People will attack him. I fly into a fucking rage <laughs> when they go after the dog. And I know that the game is manipulating me. And, and it's like, everybody loves dogs. You don't like it when people hurt your dog, do you? Yeah. And it like in a much less charming way than Autumn managed to make her point. In a much, le- much less um, earnest way, let's say. <laughs> it is significantly more manipulative, but it works every single it time. It gets you. Yeah. You want to kill. Oh, yeah. It, and the game already makes killing fun. And you kill a way. lot. Oh, in Far Cry games, yes. So what is the story? Give me the summary of what is happening to allow you to do the killing in Far Cry 5. Well, other Far Cry games have been very um, kind of politically conscious and set set themselves in Africa or unnamed Far Eastern countries where it's sarcasm. This is sarcasm. where you know, That are essentially war zones. And as a result, you don't feel that bad about killing all of the... All the, of these people because they speak a different, different language. language. Yeah, they don't look quite like you. It's the Resident Evil 4 effect. <laughs> 5 effect. And 4. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. One of our favorite games of all time is pretty racist. Oh, it's it? bad. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, God. I never thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I wish we could, like, someone would re-release it and set it. In America? In Washington, D.C. Is it okay if it's in America? I mean, no matter what, you're killing a lot of people. Yes. Well, this raises a big issue about video games in general. Yeah. Well, we're not going to address that. Keep going. Um, So the conceit of this game is that it actually takes place in America. It takes place in Montana in a county that is kind of been overrun by this cult. Um, Okay. And Have you watched Wild Wild Country yet? I've watched the first episode. Mm. That's set in California. Or no, Oregon. Yeah. Oregon, right? Yeah. Very different than Montana. Okay. I presume. Keep going. I don't know. I assume there's more mountains. Um, it is d- shocking. It does not engage with religion or cults in any kind of an interesting or nuanced way. But it does engage with them, correct? Yes. Like they are, poorly. It is omnipresent. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no real clear theology to this cult. There's okay. no There's nothing particularly interesting. And one of the issues with the game is that it likes to, because it's a first person and you are a silent protagonist, it likes to give its villains these mouthpieces where they essentially monologue and i can see the person writing these monologues being like this one's gonna really get him (laughs) it's like to be or not to be motherfucker this is this is the one eat it bill shakespeare (laughs) really it's just like lots of platitudes that like you have heard in anything that has ever tried to tackle like any fictional piece of fiction that has tried to tackle like cults and failed at doing it like I think that there is good fiction about cults. I think that Emma Klein's The Girls, that novel, was a big to do about a while back. is 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 a pretty good, it's pretty good at, at tackling some of the nuance of cult psychology. I think that 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 movie, um, The Sound of Your Voice, uh, is an is an excellent movie, kind of about about cults that avoids the 
overt theology of like we're just kind of just talking about Eden and like Old Testament bullshit. Like Jesus never comes up. No one talks about Jesus like we do on this podcast. Right. No one talks about Jesus in this game. It's all about like Eden. Like the cult's name is Eden's Gate. Okay. It's just lazy. And so yeah. you have to sit through these monologues that none, many of which you can't skip, Ooh. or at least I've not been able to figure out how to skip. Pressing them. all the buttons. Yeah, and they're just—they're not good, and it's like it doesn't have anything interesting to say. So you're—you're you're somebody that just is trying to investigate this cult or something. You show no, up. No, you are a um, a uh, what's it called? A U.S. Marshal. Cop. You. What's Tommy Lee Jones in? I think a U.S. Marshal. In The Fugitive. You know what I'm talking about. I think he's a Marshal. <laughs> yeah, he's a U.S. Marshal. I think you're a U.S. Marshal. I'm pretty sure. I have no idea how but that they, fits into the structure of law enforcement in our country, but yes. You're a rookie, so they just keep calling you Rook, which I is convenient. Like so you can be a man or a woman, and they really don't have to change much of the dialogue options. Okay. And you just know that your name is Leon the, S. I wish, I wish that they had just called you a rookie cop. It would have made me like this game a lot more. I get it. Um, so anyway, you fly in with like three other people because you're going to arrest the cult leader, uh, because he's been doing bad stuff. Apparently. I, I don't even remember what it was. He's been leading a cult. Yeah. I mean, that's not great. And so there's like four people there actively, like s people are like pointing weapons at you and stockpiling munitions. As you walk into the man's church, you arrest him. Things go South. Mm. You are abandoned. And now you are in this giant Mon Montana wilderness and there are like, three uh three areas it's an open world game so there's no loading mm -hmm. and it is a, i should say it's a very good looking game yeah this is one of those games that's so good looking that i kind of don't know what the point is <laughs> like you can't tell things apart honestly yeah it is it is well no it's actually it's they're pretty it's pretty good in that regard i didn't have the trouble that i had initially with with horizon zero dawn where i had trouble like kind of parsing things on the television um it's more like in, in a more existential way. Like, what is the point? To what end? Was, well, really, like, why, why did people make this in why their does, home? Why does this level of fidelity add anything to this experience? Oh, weird. Uh, from like a the, a sound point of view, like it's it's actually really impressive, and there's a lot of really wonderful wildlife sound effects and stuff like that. But from a visual point of view, it is just it seems like a lot of time was put into it and I am moving through the game in such a way that I very rarely have time to stop and observe. Every so often I will and I'll be like, God damn, that lighting looks incredible or these textures are just amazing. The textures like on the steering wheel when you get into one of the billion cars that you can just randomly get into and like the quality of the dashboards is... Yeah. It's, really, it's really amazing. At the same time though, it never causes me to pause like the art design in The Legend of Zelda... Right. Um, it doesn't have that kind of like gobsmacking yeah. effect. Yeah, exactly. So it is a, it is a gorgeous game though. Um visually speaking a from a narrative marvel. point of view it is hideous and <laughs> and really grotesque um and not in an interesting way either. So then what drives you to move through it? Oh, it's just the the core gameplay loop of liberating these forts and there are and like engaging with with the environment which is uh, I think the like the design of the environment and the level design overall is really well done. I think that like the the distance between things to do and the ways in which the internal I don't know what you want to call it but like almost like the internal game director where it's like throwing things at you because it doesn't want you to be too bored is just excellently done mm. like it is just this you'll be walking along the road and just anything can combust at any moment you know it's it, it there might be a wild turkey that comes out of nowhere or you'll encounter like a civilian who is has been captured by the cult and so you want to 
time everything so that you can rescue the civilian without the civilian being executed but then you rescue the civilian and a moment later like there's another truck coming and sometimes it's a little irritating but it, it is such a it has built such distinctive such a distinctive core loop mm. and then mini loops within that core loop to such a degree that it is is endlessly fun does it have the zelda effect of you're looking out and you say there's probably something over that hill and then there always is like yes. is, is it self-motivating it, in that way it is or self, does it, it rely on the narrative to like move you oh through? no it is it is hugely self-motivating okay. the narrative the narrative comes in like 20 minute chunks that are largely just monologues that are really painful but they you know those only occur every maybe every two hours of gameplay or something gotcha. depending on how fast you're moving through the game and you can move at your leisure i move at a pretty brisk story pace in part because i know that if i just finish this game then i'll stop playing it and i'll have more free time that's nice yeah so um i mean this is basically all stockholm syndrome perhaps yeah a little bit but no i think that it doesn't have that sense of wonder and majesty that is present in zelda though and none of the far cry games have i think because as as competently made as they are their their like visual design and their sense of inspiring wonder are lesser mm-hmm. they just they i don't know what that quality is like or at least not in, t- in time for this podcast but there are small moments when uh, we can stop talking about it because i really don't have that much more to say about it but there are moments glimmers of something that's really cool in this game and that is that i remember i was walking down and i kind of just hate even the good guys in this game because everyone is sort of just like a gun-toting like militia person headed idiot yeah and including you including yeah the character that you are playing yeah um but i was walking down this hill once and uh whenever you see movement ahead of you it's a good idea to bring out your binoculars and take a look because it might be enemies so i brought out my binoculars and saw and looked down ahead of me and there was a little fire and some people were sitting around the fire and um one of them was playing guitar and the other two a man and a woman got up and started dancing together I had never, I'd been playing the game for probably like six hours at this point. I'd never seen anything like this before. Yeah. I'd never seen these animations used before. And I just kind of sat there and watched it. And it was, it was really nice. And I thought like for a moment, I was like, man, there could have been something really interesting here. And maybe someday we'll have more games that just kind of allow you to stumble upon pockets of humanity, humanity like that. Far Cry 5 is not that game. Did you kill those people? No, they were good guys. Okay. Out. Yeah. I think I did steal their um, their stuff, though. Well, that's too bad. Someday I'll be reformed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you like it? I enjoy it. I I hate that I enjoy it. Who's but I it do for? enjoy it. This is a game for people who like Far Cry games. Okay. And do you think that... And who have a strong stomach for violence, because it is... It is it is a very violent game, and I have a lot of qualms about that. And part of me really just wants to go back to playing The Witness, but again, the core loop of Far Cry. It, I mean, I mean, Zelda has also proven to a degree that you can have a Far Cry game with less intense violence, yeah, or with with more fantastical, you know, that sort doesn't of that doesn't violence. make you squirm. Yes, exactly. And I I do wish we had more games like that, and I look forward to the games like that that are inevitably going to be created. Awesome. And so if you are interested in Far Cry, I guess here's the question. If I've never played a Far Cry game, should I just go buy four for cheap or should I buy five? I would definitely buy four for cheap and see how that makes you feel. Okay. Yeah. 
Or you could buy two, and you could really test I already your patience. It. Yeah, oh, I'm talking to like the oh, the, eternal, the, uh, the eternal listener. listener. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know how cheap it is to get two these days, but two is the one where the guns jam. And talk about I an love actual the guns jamming. Also, like two kind of makes a statement about the awfulness of war and violence because two is not it's kind of like not a fun game to play. No, parts of it suck. Yeah, it, kind of a lot of like the end like. A lot of it is a tr- is like drudgery and kind of awful and doesn't you the highs that you feel from from you know killing in that game are feel much more guilty mm-hmm. and a little bit rare. I mean, you also just there's slightly less killing in general. I, I mean, there's a lot of killing. There's still. a lot of killing. Yeah, but um, two at least seems as though that was Clint Hawking, right? It was Who directed that. Yep. Uh yeah, designer Clint Hawking who has not made a game since. No. Uh I two feels as though someone is trying to say something. Two there's an interesting thing to be drawn here on the final point just about how this relates to Zelda because I think that Breath of the Wild takes a lot from modern Far Cry games. Yes. Very interestingly to me, it does take the degradation of weapons, the like rapid weapon degradation from 2, which all the other Far Cry games ditched. <laughs> Which is a strange, and I really like the weapon degradation in Breath of the I Wild. I do too. Yeah. But it is one of those weird things where no one else took that. Like everybody else has stripped all the other stuff out. And then Zelda, which is otherwise like kind of a friendly game, takes the part that everybody goes like, that part sucked. It was no fun. And Zelda takes that, which is sort of interesting. And is Far Cry 5 is a game that wants to make you think on your feet, but not think too much on mm-hmm. your feet. And. That is where Zelda took the part where it's like, well, how do we how do we mix up things? How do we force the player to to think on their feet and use their brains in moments of intense yeah intensity? How do we increase the pressure yeah. one notch more? And I hope that I maybe maybe people will now look at Zelda and be like, weapon degradation. How about we use that in our next game? Yeah, and in that way, Far Cry Two will live on. That would be cool through through the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Far Cry 2 lives on through the Zelda series. In some perverse way, I would say that is what true. a weird world. It is strange. Matt, speaking of things that happen in this weird world, what did you enjoy this past week that was not oh, a video game? That was not a video game. Um, I read this wonderful book uh, called The Idiot by Elif Batuman. Um, she's a staff writer for the New Yorker. So you might've read some of her stuff for the New Yorker. She's very funny. She's very good. This, this book is, first of all, has a beautiful cover. It's of a, a piece of stone, possibly granite. I'm not sure. And then it is just against a pink backdrop and it just says the idiot at the top. Nice. It's a knowing Dostoevsky reference, but it's a, it's a book about, um, a young woman who goes to Harvard in starts at Harvard in 1995 when email is just like, on the cusp, you know, of being introduced into all these campuses and um, sort of like falls into this super intense, but very weird relationship uh, via email with this, with this Russian, uh, Hungarian Russian studies student mathematician who is like several years older than her. And it's about, it's a very funny book that's just basically about like figuring out your own shit, but in a hilarious ways. And she's just, she's, she has this like aphoristic brand of, of comedy that is just where, where every line, every paragraph is just like full of these incredible observations 
that are just like feel eminently quotable and that you just kind of like want to tattoo all of them on your body. <laughs> um, <laughs> Matt, they, Matt has just removed his shirt. Sure. <laughs> uh. um, they are, it, it's a really, it's a really funny, like, like relatively lighthearted book about sort of first love, but mostly just sort of becoming, becoming yourself and figuring College. out. Yeah. Figuring out how, who you are. It drags a little bit towards the end, but it's um, over overwhelmingly charming. And I, I really just, I adored it and I loved reading it and think it's, and I'm going to be telling everybody to read it. Also, just like the cover is so dope. It's like such great design. Good covers on a book. It makes or breaks it in some oh, weird really, way. It really can. And, and it, it really shouldn't, but it kind of does. It's what got me to pick up the book and I was so, I was so charmed by it. I also I just it. loved the title. Yeah. But like it is such a s- sort of like sweet use of what is well, otherwise. You get to look at it and you say, finally, somebody wrote a book about me. Because <laughs> we're all idiots. Yeah. We're all idiots at, at that point in our life. It's and true. it is, it is at, very. I would say still. Yeah. Oh, this is true. Fair enough. Um, what did you idiotically engage with and love? Uh, there's a profile of The Rock in Rolling Stone magazine, and I recommend it very highly. Um, the Rock, I enjoy his movies. I think San Andreas is a great movie. I really would recommend it. I'm, yeah, you've talked about that before. I'm interested it's, that's in, the one where he's a helicopter pilot and there's an earthquake? Yes, and he has to save his daughter. <laughs> Just his daughter, or does he save other people uh, too? Like his ex-wife is involved. Like he mm. also kind of has to save her. It's you know, he's Family saving a lot dramas. of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's tension. Uh, weirdly, this new Rampage movie is the same director. Uh, oh right. And yes. so I don't have any high hopes for a movie based on the arcade game Rampage. But I don't know. I like San Andreas a lot, and I love The Rock. So here we go. Could this be the first good video game of all? Uh, video game movie of all time. It's feasible, man. I I have really enjoyed a lot of the foreign foreign posters for this for this movie oh, because I they seen just them. they just go all out like a, a lot of like the asian posters just like go all out on like the kaiju element <laughs> of these creatures and some of them are like illustrated and not even stills from the movie cool and they're yeah they're just I, I don't know if i will see this movie i do not have the same love for the for dwayne johnson i really like him i find him to be i always loved him being on snl because he mm. committed really hard and I think that the defining characteristic of The Rock, and it comes through in this profile, which I would recommend you read, is that he commits hard to everything. If if he is going to do it, he is doing it harder and better than anyone else. And he also just seems very charming and like a genuinely good person to work with and sort of uh, a good friend to have. And it talks about how, I will just do this one anecdote, he's on the set of a movie and he has been told, like, he's set up his shooting schedule so he can go that day to be with his child, right? Uh, but things run late, and something goes wrong, and he can't go, and it's he's angry. So he does not go sulk or just leave. He calls together the entire crew. It is also noted that he knows everyone's name. <laughs> uh, he calls the other whole crew and says, how can we all be better so this does not happen again? And, like, man, I wish that every manager I've ever had at any job or anybody in any professional capacity I've ever been like any professional organization I've ever been a part of, yeah. uh, treated problems that way as not just like, well, I guess we fucked up. I hope we don't do that again, but just like, let's pragmatically just be like, how are we going to fix this? Um, I don't know if I want him to be the president, but, uh, I definitely 
think that he seems like a pretty cool dude. He doesn't seem like an idiot. No, and he actually, they do talk about him maybe running for office, and he apparently oh. is very keen on like getting lower office first. Like a governor, gubernatorial uh, kind of I w- race or something? I wouldn't be surprised if this man went for alderman or something, <laughs> 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 which would be amazing. Like that, and, and truly, if he was to work up in that way, I would be like, you have my vote. Yeah. Although, actually, I have no idea what his politics are, and there's a weird people-pleasing streak where he seems very keen yep. on not mentioning his politics. Yep. And so there is... Although a, he has said that he's a feminist. I have a real fear, yeah. though, that he's yeah. not the best, but let's ignore that right now and just be happy that he seems like a genuinely good dude who just wants to make fun movies. As you said, he seems like a good friend to have. Yes. Kind of like us at Zero Stars. You can uh, send us an email like Autumn did at podcast at zerostars.co. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Bye.